Ah, the pleasures of suburban life. Superpowered children, dead brother with a new face, and eventually, the circus comes to town. That's right, this episode we talk all about episodes 5 and 6 of WandaVision. So stay tuned, and don't recast episode 22 of Krypton to Alderaan. Welcome, everyone, to Krypton to Alderaan, the podcast that will be fully operational when your friends arrive. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Perfect <laughs> intro. <laughs> I'm going to start doing impressions for the intro. <laughs> That's even better. I'm Joey, and with me is Royce. Hello, podcast. And Robin. Hello. <laughs> and we are the podcast <laughs> that talks all about uh, oh, I got thrown off. Sorry. We're the podcast that talks about all kinds of nerdy pop culture stuff, but it's mostly Star Wars. And let me be real for a sec, okay? Can I just be real? Can we break it down? That's a little too Paul Rudd right there. I chose that quote up top to introduce the show for a specific reason. Listeners, this is our 22nd episode, I think, which is great, but it means that we're still a little baby Yoda podcast, and we're still <laughs> trying to figure so much of this out, and we want to keep doing it because we really like it, and it's a lot of fun, but in order to be successful, we need to start developing more of a listener base, and in order to do that, we need your help. This is a call for help. One of the best and only ways for us to expand our listenership right now is word of mouth. So if you could review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening from, that would be a tremendous help. And if you could recommend our show to people you think might be interested, that would also be a tremendous help. You could interact and chat with us on Twitter at Krypton Alderon, or you could send us emails at kryptontoalderon at gmail.com. And I'll read the tweets or the emails or good or bad reviews on the podcast, and it'll, be, it'll just be fun for everyone. What I'm trying to say mostly is, listeners, help us. You're our only hope. And your training will be complete. <laughs> so that's it. Rate, review, subscribe, and please, please, please pass us along. Even if you think people might not like it. I mean, that would be fun. We'll, I'll read some bad reviews. Do you remember that episode of Arrested Development where the, the beginning Ron was just Howard. outrageous? And then Ron Howard's like, please tell your friends about this show. That's literally my favorite part of the entire series. <laughs> when they're like, it was I, that was right before they were canceled. Right, it was a, the and third season was, they were like trying really hard. It was getting so good, but then it was canceled immediately afterwards. Hopefully, not yeah. like this podcast. <laughs> Hopefully, so the next segment <laughs> that everyone I've just learned how much all of the hosts love this part of the show. Uh, our casual catch up, <laughs> no pressure. Speak from the heart. <laughs> Let's start with Robin. Robin. What's new on 2020? <laughs> uh, 2020 sucked. Uh, mm. Not not a lot of, I like the 2020 murder mystery. There was no murder on this episode. Or last episode. I mean, maybe, kind of. It's uh, just no direct murder mystery, per se. Yeah. So this week was about a doctor who basically told everyone he did innovative replacement trachea surgeries. 
with what they described as plastic that is the same plastic they use for water bottles, which, I mean, I don't know about you, I definitely would want implanted into my airway. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, at the point that they were airing this, I don't know if he's in jail now, but they said that he did eight of these surgeries and seven of the people died. I don't get it. I'm going to have to write this down to look it up later. It's very, it was interesting, but the only reason he started getting blown up and getting caught was because he messed with the wrong woman and he scammed her and he told her that he was having this huge elaborate wedding with the Obamas and the Clintons and the Beckhams and Elton John and the Pope was going to marry them. (laughs) And then she found out it was all a big lie. What a surprise. And so she wrote a big expose on him while he was uh, at the same time being like accused, right? By like the medical institute of like malpractice or whatever. His entire life of making shit up unraveled before him. Yeah, he's probably in jail now. Or if not, he will be soon. I think they said they were in the process of trying to take him to trial, but he's he's not allowed to practice medicine anymore. But they they tried to revoke his license, and then they did a trial, and they were like researching him and decided he did nothing wrong and was free to practice medicine, and they extended his contract at like the scientific institute where he did research. And then more people uh-huh. died. <laughs> hmm. The scientific institution where he does research. Is yeah. it like a Denny's somewhere? <laughs> it's somewhere in like Sweden or something. Or something. It's the Shonies. Uh. Never left the Shonies. Remember? No. From Rick and Morty? <laughs> and then he turns the coffee cup into a little butt that oh, farts yeah. in his face. That was a good one. And then the bug or whatever is like, we never, we're still in the Shonies. We never left the Shonies. You don't remember that? No. Yeah, Nathan, is that Nathan Fillion? Voices the bug character in that episode, I think. Is that the same episode where he tells Jerry Uh, to fold himself in half 12 times? I think so. Nothing's real or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So good. So Robin's into Rick and Morty. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everything comes back to Rick and Morty. Who's next? (laughs) (laughs) Royce, please leave that gap of air in there. (laughs) It's it's hard for me to leave gaps in. I always want to take it out. Yeah, I know, but now I've brought it up. I know. I'll do my best. So it, occasionally that happens and I just, I still shrink it down a little bit. I feel bad. <laughs> All right. So I tried to play some video games this week, which I don't normally do because I normally have a lot of stuff to do. And I feel guilty if I do something like sit on the couch and play video games, even though I still do a lot of sitting on the couch and watching TV and stuff. But I rarely indulge in console video games. I said, you know what? I deserve this. I'm going to play some Jedi Fallen Order. And, you know, we bashed it a little bit on the podcast in the past. But, you know, I was like, I got time. I'm going to invest. I'm going to, like, relearn the controls. I'm going to level up my character, get into it. Dude, I lasted 10 minutes before I wanted to throw my controller through the TV because I had to wait 10 minutes for the freaking game to load. The loading times are too, even to, even to get to the main menu of the game. It's like the game is, it was made in 2020 or 2019. It's like, why is this still a problem? That's exactly what my thought was. I'm like, I'm turning this on to relax a little bit. And I wasn't even playing video games. It was just stress waiting for the game to start. And then it did start and I played and it was fun to like slash some stormtroopers for a little bit. And then I died. And it had to reload, and the reload takes so long. 
oh my God, it wasn't helping me relax. So then I turned that off and I played some Mario Kart on the Nintendo Switch, which loads super quick and it was really fun to play. And I played it for about three hours straight. Nice. The end. Anyway, <laughs> try to beat my time trial at Toad's Palace. I bet you can't. I bet I will. It's making direct eye contact with Robin. Them's fighting words. I mean, I'm better at video games, so I'm not. I'm not worried. <laughs> All right then. We'll Should we take this reconvene. podcast inside, and we'll <laughs> just make that? We'll make that the episode. It's just Mario Kart. I don't know if Toad's Palace is even a place. Whatever it was. <laughs> I played the same track like three times, and then was like racing my ghost. Like that was fun. That was pure video game fun. Screw PlayStation. I I haven't been into video games lately, but Nintendo makes it fun. Like, that was actually a release to play that stupid Mario Kart racing game. And this is why I spend at least 45 hours a week playing Animal Crossing. Yes. You want to escape. Yep. I miss when video games were fun. And I was having this conversation with somebody recently because of what I've been doing lately, which is not playing, but watching a friend, my friend Greg, play Dark Forces. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So he shares his screen and I take some Dramamine and watch him <laughs> go through <laughs> Dark Forces, which is really fun. I mean, it looks terrible, obviously. It's like, whatever, 1994 or 95. It was made for DOS, like, the game was made for DOS, so it's that old. But And everything's, like, square. Every level looks exactly the same. <laughs> like, exactly the same. But it's just fun to watch and fun to dive into Star Wars lore. I mean, I think that's the thing. Like, Star Wars, modern-day Star Wars video games could be fun, and I had some fun playing Jedi Fallen Order, but it missed the mark with so many things. With being fun... Problems with gameplay and then just the characters and their arc. I think the, it, they, it just missed the mark so much. So it's been really fun to sort of sit and watch, which like, talk about feeling bad about wasting time. I'm not even doing anything. <laughs> I'm just making, I'm just watching Greg play. But it's cool to see and it's it's just a, and, and it's an era of Star Wars that that's cool to watch be played through. We played a lot of that game in my household in the mid-90s, for sure. And don't they have, like, cutscenes, too? I think that's the second one that has cutscenes with real people, but I'm not sure. We haven't gotten... We're, I don't know, we're, like, on the third or fourth mission. Well, that's the trick with those old games. Like, they couldn't render them cool, but they could play, like, video in between oh, yeah. other things. <laughs> when when Roy says cutscenes, he means, like, cutscenes of actual people filmed, like, the, that they put in the game. So it's really interesting. We haven't, if that is in the first one, we haven't gotten. I might be thinking of Rebel Assault 1 no, and think, or 2. I think for sure Dark Forces, Dark Forces had a sequel, right? Pretty yeah, sure. but it's, it's totally different than the first one. Yeah, but I think there are, I think Kyle Katarn's in it now. Yeah, and there are he becomes a Jedi. Yeah, so I think that, that one definitely has cutscenes, but I'm not sure about the first one. Um, but it's cool. And then Rogue One decanonized it. So yeah, it's whatever. It's still fun. Um, okay. I guess that's it. Woo! We all, we made it, we made it through everyone. Your heart rates can return to normal. It's like when your teacher calls on you and you haven't been paying attention and you're like, oh shit, <laughs> crap. <laughs> to be fair, I gave you two weeks. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, for some reason, I suffer from an affliction of when someone says, hey, how have you been doing? It's like I forget everything up until that moment. Hey, what have you been up to? Good. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like Vision not being able to remember his life before Westview. What's an Avenger? Anyway, what a great segue into WandaVision. You're welcome. I teed that one up for for us. I opened a beer. <laughs> Royce is probably going to take that mm. out. <clears throat> WandaVision episode five. Let's just, let's get right into it. I am really curious to hear what you two have to say. Let me start off by this, the same way I did last week. Things I thought were neat. <laughs> okay. The theme song, I haven't been paying super close attention to the theme songs other than like they're obviously formatted to the decade of the show. This one was the first time I noticed the lyrics having to do with the, well, I don't know, the, the fake reality and the mystery. One of the lines is, we're making it up as we go along or something like that. And, <laughs> and another line is, we've got love, which I think are both playing to Wanda creating the reality. And we've got love. This is the episode that sort of starts the conflict between Wanda and Vision as Vision starts to not understand necessarily what's going on, but understanding that something is going on and that Wanda has a hand in it. It's the first episode that we're getting to see both realities simultaneously, which I think is, well, from what I've heard from both of you, what you've both wanted. We get, and then two of my favorite things so far, we get the team up of Darcy, Monica, and Jimmy Woo, which I loved in this episode and the next one. And we get what I would consider to be a pretty badass scene with Wanda breaching the hex and confronting S.W.O.R.D. So I think those are all my little tidbits that during the show I was like, oh, so good. But I would really like to hear from you two where you're at now that the show is has seemingly transitioned away from being one or the other or us just being sort of stuck in the sitcom in in Westfield. Robin, what did you think now that it's more of a balance? I definitely liked it better than comparing like comparing it to the first two episodes which were just trash i thought this episode oh, was pretty man. good <laughs> my favorite part was probably what you mentioned where wanda comes out and she's basically like get out of my uh -huh. face take your just shit so back good. yeah that was my favorite part and that was definitely the most interesting part i would say still not a huge fan of the actual sitcom part of it where they like have a puppy and they're hiding the puppy and like not a huge fan of that. But other than that, I thought I I like the reality parts of the show much better than the sitcom parts. Yeah. Even the parts of the sitcom where it's breaking through with the reality, that's kind of interesting, but I'm much more interested in the people researching what is going on in the sitcom. Yeah. So it's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because it seems like the sitcom is breaking down, right? At the beginning of this episode, the twins are crying and Agnes comes over and we start to see that Agnes now has some understanding that it's not real, but she's still playing a part. She's still sort of, I guess, being controlled to play a part. It, it, it's starting to get confusing, not only for the audience, but also for the characters in the show, which I think is a really interesting point that I'm going to, that I wanted to bring up more for the next episode. But Agnes comes over and she's like, should we start from the top, giving a clear indication that she knows that it's fake and that Wanda 
is losing whatever control she has over this reality as we start to see more of the outside reality, I guess the real reality. Um, And it started to make me think at that point that maybe Agnes is so willing to help out Wanda so she can be on Wanda's good side, because we'll get into it. I think everyone's just terrified of Wanda. Royce, what did you think? Yeah, I'm largely on the same page as Robin, as you would expect. If you've been listening to this podcast, (laughs) I also enjoyed the scene where she finally like exited the hex. She said something like, go away. I got everything I want. They like asked her like what she wanted. She's like, I'm good. I have everything. I don't need you. I could actually kill all of you if I wanted to. I'm kind of a big deal. And that was cool that she herself left the sitcom world because we've seen outside a little bit. But when you're in the sitcom world, like I think Robin was saying, it's like kind of a waste of time to watch them like living their life. I feel like I want to care about the characters on the show. So you have to have something real to sink your teeth into If you're being lied to the whole time and you think that the Pope is going to marry you and that your husband is a super (laughs) surgeon, like that's great to believe in. But then you find out it's fake and you're like, that was a total waste. I quit my job to be with this person. This is awful. So that's how I feel about the show when it's only in sitcom world is like, what's I understand that it's like you get a peek into what Wanda actually wants. Like she says, this is what I I have, what I need, have what I want, but it doesn't. I have no attachment to it, but I have an attachment to her when you actually see her real emotion come out. And she's like, I'm going to kill all you guys. Leave me alone. I'm having some me time, which I think everybody can relate to that. She's like created this world. You finally start to understand why she's doing what she's doing. And you actually get to see it from her perspective rather than just like, well, we know she said her boyfriend died. So she made up a boyfriend and they took over a town. But you never saw that from her, you know? So I thought that was pretty powerful in that maybe they like a lot of things in the show could have done that earlier. So I cared earlier. But again, while they're just in sitcom world, still kind of meh. Uh, Well, I'm going to riff off of that for a bit because I think it is extremely emotionally powerful. The more that we learn and the more that this whole world is inspired by grief, I just think it's sort of a very relatable, like you said, thing for Wanda to have created this perfect world because of her grief. Like anyone who's suffered a traumatic experience or or suffered uh, grief can to some degree relate to that. I mean, it's a very comic booky way to do it, but she's created this reality because of her loss. Vision died twice in front of her and then she got unmade and she her brother died and all things I've mentioned before, but it's just the result of her grief and trauma. Specifically in this episode, S.W.O.R.D. shows its hand a little bit with us seeing what happened right before Wanda created Westview with her taking Vision's body from S.W.O.R.D. So Hayward shows basically Darcy, Monica, and Jimmy Woo the footage of Wanda breaking into S.W.O.R.D. to take Vision's body. And there's no world that exists where S.W.O.R.D. doesn't have Vision's body for to not make a weapon. They obviously have it for a very nefarious purpose, and Wanda finds that out and breaks in and takes his body and then makes Westfield so they could live happily ever after. So there's something very sinister with S.W.O.R.D. going on that we're going to find out soon. But there's really no other reason for them to have Vision's body. So uh, anyway, I think that's very 
uh, just continues to go along with sort of the trauma she suffers, and then she finds out what they're doing with Vision's body. She takes him back, and she creates this perfect world for them to live in. And so it all seems to also be affecting Vision inside the inside of Westview. Like, he starts to have these complex emotions that we've never seen him have before. Like, at the end of the show, when they start to have the conflict, uh, and Vision is angry and yelling and says that he's scared, and that's all stuff that we, as so far, haven't seen from Vision. So I think that all of that trauma and grief is infecting him somehow and creating this different version of Vision, and he can't remember his past self, which plays a part in it too. Yeah. I like all that reveal that he he is realizing things and like the we as the audience have like already realized it, but it's nice to see him seeing what's going on and that it's not normal and then seeing that Wanda's controlling it and doing that thing where he like zaps other people and he's like, oh you'll be all right, man. And then like re-zaps him. So he's like not totally uh figured it out, but he's starting to put the puzzle pieces together. Again, this is all stuff that I think would have been so cool just one or two episodes sooner, but that is that is making it way more relatable because now you can struggle with him where you're like, I want to get out of this world. What is going on? Yeah. So you kind of vicariously live through vision through that. Yeah, and it started, that aspect of it too is starting to get confusing. Like he's setting up the computers at work and Norm is like, can this help me get a wife? And vision's like, it will someday. It's like, how do you know that, but don't know other stuff? How do you know the future of computers and not know other stuff? Well, because Wanda's clearly like, she's controlling everyone in the town. So she must have to like respond to thoughts that they have or input that they have. And we see that in episode six, where like Vision talks to people and they're like, wait, rendering, rendering, you know, and they have to come up with a, a retort to whatever information he's given them, whether it makes sense or not. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to get into episode six and see what all of us thought about that. But a couple more things here, and specifically for Robin, because she texted about this after you both watched it. Let's talk about Pietro. I've wanted to talk about it all week, but have not wanted to, like, tweet about it and hashtag spoil it for people. Good for you. So, (laughs) but man, real quick, my reaction was I stood up. Well, Lorelai and I were watching it as soon as that happened. Robin, why don't you tell the group what you said when you watched it? Because we had opposite reactions. Surprise. I, I don't specifically remember. I would guess I said something like, but he's dead. What the fuck? Yeah. So you reacted like just like Darcy. I mean, that was my reaction watching. I immediately was like, he's dead. Like they're like they said in the show, like they've recast him. He is dead. Uh I mean, he's, so this is obviously them bringing in X-Men to the MCU. He, that version of Quicksilver did not die in the other films, right? He's still alive. So that's why. That is correct. Yeah. So that's why I assume they did that. And I actually liked his character in the other X-Men movies. So far, not a huge fan of him in this because he's very obviously playing a part where he's just like cheesy. Well, he's in the sitcom. Yeah. He's kind of playing along. So, so far, not a huge fan of that. And in general, I don't like when players are recast for anything. Well, it's confusing, especially in this particular show, because you're like, wait, that's a different movie universe. What am I watching now? Hopefully all this ties in and like it further blows our mind. But at 
like the reaction is appropriate to be like, why him from the X-Men movies? Of all the characters in all the X-Men movies. Well, also, well, was he supposed to be the Luke Skywalker bomb drop? No, I don't think so. Okay, okay, good. Because I said that to Robin today. I was like, I don't think it could have been him because that was not a huge reveal for me. It was just kind of like, all right, he was an option, I suppose. And then he sh- he just was there at the end of the episode. It wasn't like he saved the day and only someone that had super speed could save the day sort of thing. Right. I mean, it, it makes sense, but I had never put two and two together watching the X-Men movies that like that was the same character as Wanda's brother because she's not in those movies, right? She's just... She is in... I don't... Okay, I love Days of Future Past and that's our first introduction to that version of Quicksilver, but I don't think they're twins. I think when he go, when Wolverine goes to recruit Quicksilver... She's younger. She's like a little kid. Um, but I might be mixing up movies there. But yeah, it's not. It's not. Yeah. It's not Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, and I don't. I don't remember Scarlet Witch being in any of the other X Men movies. So that made it extra confusing because I don't. It was a very big part of like Age of Ultron, especially. I feel like that they were twins and they both had superpowers. And I don't remember him ever being a twin in the X Men movies, which is why I never put. I never did the math, and it was extra confusing. You got to read the up. comic books. A- they apparently, did, well, they did a lot of things wrong in the X Men movies. A lot. Yes. A lot. <laughs> um, Tell us how you really feel. I do think that it was meant to be confusing, though. Like I understand what you guys mm. are saying, but I think both Wanda and Pietro address the con- their confusion about it sure. in the next episode. And we'll talk about that, I guess. So I was so excited when this happened because it, to me, meant bringing the X-Men into the MCU. Uh, But there's definitely a sinister backdrop to this. And one of the first things Pietro says is, can't a long-lost brother squeeze his sister to death? Which, to me, was very ominous. Like... It's like a colloquialism, but it was at that point with everything going on, I think, a very strange thing to say. Well, Quicksilver is kind of like a goofball. Like he plays video games and like eats pizza and hangs out in the X-Men movies, you know? Yeah. He's not a serious person. But he's not that Pietro. He says he's not that Pietro when they get into it in the next episode. So let's get into episode six, but real quick first for episode five. There's a couple of Easter eggs. Well, okay. I said last week that they're getting away from Easter eggs, which I think is somewhat true, but there's always stuff. Every single number in the show means something. Their address is uh, is an indication of what Marvel Universe they're in. Every three-digit number is like a, a, a comic book issue. Everything means something. But the two things that really caught my attention in, in this episode is we see the symbol that was on Vision's tie in episode one everywhere in this episode on like every house. Well, they're, when they're looking for the dog, it's on like every house. And I have no idea what it is or what it means, but it was all over the place. And two, the tiger, I don't know if there has been if there have been like tiger references in other episodes, but the tiger on the dining room table, the, the camera focused on it so much that I think it has to mean something, but I have no idea what that means either. And to go back to what I was saying before, 
something I started to think about with this episode was a lot of Westview and Wanda's creation has to do with grief. Like, Monica Rambeau was allowed in, but Jimmy Woo wasn't. But Monica had just, like, been unblipped and re- and learned that her mother died when she was blipped. And then she gets to go into Westview. And when Vision wakes Norm up at the computing business, Norm says his dad's sick and he has to call his sister. Agnes always seems... Uh, Agnes is always talking about her husband that we never see. And then she gets really weird when the when the twins ask Wanda if Wanda can undo death. So there's all of these things that like... And, and uh, Herb cutting into the blocks like we talked about last episode. There's all these things that like maybe everyone in there... Maybe everyone's allowed in there because they have suffered trauma, and that's why it feels so excruciating to them being in there. Not really anything we could probably talk about other than, hey, Joey, that's a really good idea. Um, But just something interesting I picked up. And then the twins, they get a dog, and Vision even says it, like, it's not every day you get a dog and then have to bury a dog in the same day. So, like, everyone's suffering trauma. (sighs) What do you think about that? You guys think that's a good idea? I think that sounds like the plot of Lost... Not oh this TV God. show. I am so sorry I did this. I don't know. I think that, that might be reading into it, but who knows? That that could play into it. But I thought they all just lived there anyway. Because like Vision said, the town you grew up in, in the episode six, yeah. they already were there. Well, we don't... See, I don't know. It's There's too many questions. But it's just interesting that everyone seemingly has... Well, I guess everyone suffers trauma, right? That's like a human. That's just all of us. Anyway, so episode six. So... Continuing into this, things, like I said earlier, are getting more confusing for, I mean, they're answering questions, but for me, I was so much more confused by the end of these episodes than I was for any other. But it's not, it seems to also be getting confusing for the people in Westview and for Westview itself. More and more people seem to be um, understanding that it's all fake. Well, it seems like the whole time they know, but they're just being like mind controlled. The more Wanda gets pressure to like tell people what's going on from vision or like the more people are like slipping up, the more it's like hurting her ability to keep shit square. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I have written here. Royce, are you reading my notes? (laughs) You know, I'm uncomfortable with that. Um, Yes, exactly. The people... It does seem to be affecting Wanda's grip. And also, this episode in particular is starting to stray from the decade-to-decade format. In the trajectory so far, it was supposed to be a 90s episode. But it was very Malcolm in the Middle, which is not a 90s show. That's what I had in my notes. I wrote Malcolm in the Middle in Grounded for Life. Yeah, it, it's, that one? Straddling, it's straddling the late 90s, early 2000s. Well, and then they go to the movie theater and The Incredibles is playing. Perfect, yes. Uh, Parent Trap and Incredibles. So again, 90s and 2000s. So, the, so reality itself is starting to get confused as Wanda starts to lose control. So I'm glad you brought up the cinema because Parent Trap and Incredibles, I think, symbolizes what we were just talking about, but also has a couple of other meanings as we go through this. So I don't 
have, I want to start this one off differently because I don't have a quirky, this is what I found was neat uh, thing because I really thought that every, almost every minute of the, this episode was important to the story. There was no like one thing where I was like, that's a pivotal moment. Other than I just thought it was really cool. Again, I love the Wu Rambo Lewis team up. And when Rambo and Wu are kicking ass and taking the truck. Uh, so I guess what I just want to give it to you both and hear what you felt about this episode. Did you like this episode, Robin? Eh. In, really? In comparison to like the trajectory of the show, though, or is it like better, worse? You're not interested that the plot is finally moving? I'm getting bored though. And I was just, I was literally just <laughs> wow, thinking about- Wow, what a short bell curve. <laughs> I was literally just thinking about this as Joey was talking. I was like, why did I hate this episode? Why is the show in general bothering me so much? And I think it's just because I hate Wanda. There's no reason to really care about her. It's called WandaVision, but it's like 95% focused around Wanda. And I don't, like her. I don't think they've given you a reason to like her. That's what I meant to say. Not that you can't care about her, but like, unless you empathize with her, her grief. So you've got to like buy into the whole, she took, you know, her dead boyfriend and reanimated him and she's trying to live happily ever after. If you buy into that, then maybe you could care about her, but she's not like the protagonist, you know, you don't see her like helping people. You see her being like wicked selfish. Yeah. Basically. I thought I was going to like the part where Vision is trying to get out and get help. He finds like the edge of of the town and I'm like, oh, but he's dead in real life. So he's probably going to burst through the bubble and he's going to be outside half dead. And then like half of him's going to be inside and alive. But he just starts breaking apart and getting sucked back in. And then Wanda just expands the scope of the town and there's a circus. And I think that's a great metaphor for why people may or may not like the show, too. Is you're like, please break out of the thing and then get the Avengers assembled nope, vision. It, nope, it's bigger now. It's 10 towns. Yeah. <laughs> Man, um, I completely disagree with everything you've said, but we are all still Funny. friends. Every word in that opinion was wrong. <laughs> um, I I don't know. We've talked about it, and I don't want to belabor the point, but I think that this show has really turned me around on the character. It did exactly what I wanted it to do in that it, it's made me care about her character. And, uh, well, whatever, for all this sort of emotional reasons I've discussed already. I think Vision breaking out was such a great scene because he starts to break apart, and instead of just going back in to save himself he's more concerned with saving the people in the town. So he's willing to sort of sacrifice whatever life he has left to telling S.W.O.R.D. to help the people in the town, and they don't care at all. They just stand there and watch because their intentions are not good. But I thought that was another incredibly sort of powerful moment in the show. And it also showed the two two of the most powerful Avengers, like Vision even not completely Vision is able to break out of Westview and Wanda, not only powerful enough to create the thing and control everyone, but powerful enough to expand it, which we'll get to later. You have any other thoughts, Royce? Yeah, I would say like, I'm still a little bit frustrated by the show. I did like the kind of Malcolm in the Middle like vibe. It's kind of fun that it jumped to that because that was definitely something I watched a lot. You could just get into it a little bit more, I feel like, because it felt like something I would actually watch versus like 
the other eras of time they, they were hovering over the last couple episodes. But my favorite part of this episode was all of the Vision stuff. He comes down the stairs and she's like, oh, you're wearing your costume. And he's like, well, yeah, because that's the only thing you put in my closet, you bitch. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's great. I love it. It works for, like, I. that was the first time that the sitcom era that they were in made sense to me that he was like, you know, bashing on her a little bit. He's like, you're not letting me be me. I was like, I get it. And uh, and further, he's walking around the town and he's like discovering more stuff that's wrong. And I also really liked that he was like, I'm going to go on my own mission. I'm out of here. Like, that's just fun that you got hit a little B plot with Vision trying to figure out what's going on. And he sees the woman trying to like make the ghost work or whatever. And she's like repeating the action. They showed that for a really long time. At first, I was confused. And then obviously, like you figure out like with Vision, you're like, she's not rendering properly. She is needs a reboot. Something's wrong there. Well, I mean, did you notice she also had like a single tear? Yeah, and she was crying. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I thought that was really excellent writing in general that you're like furthering the point that the people in there are struggling and they don't want to be controlled. And Vision is making it his mission to free them. I like that. That is, he's the protagonist in the story. You know what I mean? Wanda's the villain. And then he you know, runs into the lady in the car right at the edge of the city, and then he wants to get out. And all that vision stuff worked really well. I almost wanted him to like find out more stuff from people and be like, when did this start? You know, and like uncover the whole thing. That felt like, I know this is going to be the third episode I'm bringing this up, but like it felt like an episode of Lost where they were like uncovering the mysteries in the show. And I really enjoy that because that's how you tell a story. I want to be like Vision and figure out what's going on. And I want to save them just like Vision wants to save them. And that's finally finally a reason to actually enjoy the show and like again empathize with people in it and then at the last minute wanda says no you can't help him i'm gonna take over the whole universe i love that yeah i also thought the vision stuff was really good the end <laughs> great now i have a lot more to say are you surprised i'm so surprised um i really liked the vision stuff in the sense that, yes, when he comes downstairs, he knows that something's wrong and Wanda is no longer able to control him. I'm surprised she doesn't, like, slap him upside the head for that, though. Like, she's okay with him being a little bit, you know. Well, but then he says, he says what he's, he said he's going to do patrol and Wanda says you're not supposed to go and do that. Like, she is losing control of this reality and in this episode it's it's getting so much worse with that from vision and as we uh, as we approach the outskirts of westview like you said the woman with the ghost is repeating the motion and then when you get further out no one's able to move at all so i think the mystery is starting to unravel and again i think the reality is starting to get confused because of of wanda's losing control well and then if everybody like comes back to life but they're still stuck in there like that's also going to be weird if everybody is in there and they want to get out like vision and they can't get out you know that seems like that might be more of the conclusion of the show this is where it's it i know you're like i'm getting bored with this robin but like it's finally starting to have wheels turning where we could actually start like having a meaningful conversation speculating on what could possibly happen and i think joey i'm with you that you had said previously, like, this is going to end badly for Wanda. And I'm like worried about the end. 
it's going to have to be like Vision convincing her to like let go finally, yeah. you know? And that yep. will be kind of sad, especially if Vision is like trying to like save people and help them. And he's like, the only way out of this is like, you got to accept that I'm dead. You're right. The whole show is probably just about, you know, the grieving process in general. And she's like way, she's even further in denial than she was before. Like she had control, she's losing it. And now she's like, I'm just going to take over the whole world. Yeah. And this episode focused a lot on her mistakes in the past. So you, you talked earlier about her, about this being a very selfish act on Wanda's part. And we've talked in the past about Falcon and Winter Soldier being the Captain America show. They're the ones out in the world helping people after Avengers Endgame. But Wanda, this episode pointed it out, Wanda has not, she's made mistakes the entire time she's tried to be a hero. So she's now she's no longer trying to be a hero. She's just trying to do what's best for her. She was a villain and then the and then she redeemed herself and the Avengers accepted her. And then she blew up the building in Captain America's Civil War, you know, and she broke out of wh- whatever. She was a big part of Civil War and all that stuff. So she is just doing this for herself and it seems like a very selfish act. Something else I wanted to bring up around the Pietro thing is I think it's interesting that no one recognizes this version of Pietro. It's like Darcy says he's recast and no one seems to recognize this guy. And then Wanda's like, why do you look different? And it seems to be the, I mean, it's definitely the X-Men face on the Disney version's body. So she's pulled him or somebody has pulled him from another reality to be the Pietro or be the face of Pietro, which I think is, we're getting Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness. So it's very sort of multiversal. He's very sinister though, right? Do you guys get weird vibes from this Pietro? Well, like he's it, trying to be all chummy and he knows exactly what's going on. He's like, yeah. I just came here to be like, cause problems and, you know, be the wacky uncle. And so he knows his role. I think that's the weirdest thing when they're like sitting in the middle of the, town square or whatever and he's like you know i'm dead right like whatever he says and then she sees him in that like ghost form yeah it doesn't seem like the normal quicksilver to me it definitely seems to be there to like cause problems in in general is just out of place regardless yeah i think he's yeah it's just a it's just a very sinister feeling and then she blasts him i think so i'm going to show my hand a little bit here for something i was going to talk about at the very end but i don't think wanda is the sole reason this is happening but at the end of episode five she says she doesn't know how it started and she seems genuine and she says the same thing in this episode to pietro oh yeah i forgot about I, that i think some other force is at play here Someone might have created this escape for Wanda and she's just been whatever, feeding into it or, or controlling it or whatever. And that and that's and that maybe whoever did that sent that Pietro. She's drawing energy from the dark world. Oh, right. And that's how we get Doctor Strange. I think, well, I have a couple of characters in mind who I think it is that I'll bring up in a minute. I also think it's super interesting that in episode five, Vision says, Why are there no other children in Westview. Mm. And then in episode six, (laughs) they're everywhere. And in episode four and five, they talk about Pietro and then Pietro shows up. In episode six, they mention her parents, Wanda and and, uh, Pietro's parents, several times. Her real father, and I would 
at this point, I would guess this is going to be the big reveal that they're talking about. In real comic book history, her father is Magneto. So I think they might have Fassbender or McKellen show up at the end. She also does the thing where she turns the guns on... Yeah, it's a very Magneto move. Yeah, right. Well, he did it in whatever X-Men movie he did it in, but... Would either of you find that exciting if one of those characters showed up as, like, the big reveal? Either Robin. Fassbender or Magne- or um, McKellen? Uh, if it's Ian McKellen, I'm not going to give two shits because I, I don't like that version of Magneto. If it's Michael Fassbender, I will lose my mind and I will be in. Because I think I prefer the, uh, like, X-Men first class version of the X-Men where it's Michael Fassbender and what's-his-face? James McAvoy. James McAvoy. If it's anybody from that universe, I will be excited. Well, it's the same universe. It's a different, like, timeline, though. Yeah. Yeah. Fassbender might be a little young to play uh, Elizabeth Olsen's dad. Yeah. No, it's... They can put makeup on him. (laughs) (laughs) Although, I guess if they're switching faces, it doesn't matter, right? You're just... You're able to have whatever character you want underneath, but their face be different. So, it doesn't doesn't matter. But at the, the... Right that he's too young, I think Ian McKellen is way too old to be their dad, too. Yeah, but you if the, the rumors... <laughs> the rumors? Are if, there rumors? Well, if the rumors are true that they're like, there's going to be a Luke Skywalker-like bombshell, I didn't think Quicksilver was that bombshell. Like, that was just kind of like, okay, insert another character. They even say it. He's like, I'm going to be the wacky uncle that shows up yeah. for the Christmas episode or whatever. So, you know, obviously there's something else up the sleeve if it's Magneto or somebody. He's the only, like, old school person that makes sense. And I would be uh, a hypocrite if I didn't say I was was not excited or was excited. How does how do words work? I've yep. been doing a lot of talking today, not just on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, but if he shows up, I'm in. And I love the original... X-Men. So I'm in, whether it's Fassbender or Gandalf. (laughs) Good. Um, Okay. Uh, Man, I was really just, every week I'm excited about the episodes of this show, and every two weeks I'm excited to talk to you two about it, (laughs) hoping that you're going to be like, I am in like Flynn. You know what I mean? I'm way more invested than previous weeks, because uh, like that last scene where she's expanding. If this was a movie, now you're finally at that like, oh, stuff's getting real, and they've got to fix this. Now it's really bad. Assemble Avengers. And if this was a movie, it would work out way better if they scrunched everything down for time. But they're dragging it out. But that event is awesome. And then the one guy's like, anybody on the radio? And you're like, ooh, is he going to make it out? I'm finally, you know, he's they, such a bad guy. I, I don't definitely he's... don't like him. But you want to see the next thing for sure now because Vision wants out. All the town people want out. Wanda wants more control. And maybe, like you said, there's somebody else behind the curtain because at Wanda's heart, you're like at her core, you would think that she wants to not ruin everyone's life. So, yeah, Robin just winced. Kind of seems like she just wants to ruin everyone's life. Well, she could be. She could just, like I said, she got, she thought she was going to get married by the Pope and it was all a lie. See, I think... I liked that I thought Vision was going to get out dead or alive. And then it felt very like, are either of you too familiar with like Sisyphus? The guy that like is cursed for all eternity to keep pushing the boulder up the hill. And then at the end of the day, it falls back down. Yeah, That's what the end of the episode felt like where you're like, 
yes, they're getting out. And then the right. boulder falls back down the well, hill and she expands the town and you're like, fuck. I agree with you, Robin, but that's that's also at the same time the reason why it's it could be interesting to see the next thing because everyone wants out real bad. Obviously, like if Vision just broke right out, it'd be a little too easy. But he got his message through that he's like, these people need help. I want Magneto to show up in the next episode and save the day. And then I want the series to be over forever because they can't ever top that. I think that there's something much more sinister going on. I think that there's someone else involved. And I think that it's going to lead into Doctor Strange. We know well, that we know that Wanda's in it. Has yeah, to tie we know, in. We know that Wanda's in it and she's it's not in Westview. So obviously this all ends. But I just wish there were words I could say, Robin. <laughs> Magneto. <laughs> it's been the pacing of the show. If they paced it differently, it would be so much more consumable. Because at its core, it is it is kind of great that you're like, this person is going through a, they had a traumatic experience, they have nothing left, and now they just want to live in a fairy tale world. But the people in the fairy tale world are real people and they don't want to be there. That makes a lot of sense. And not only that, it's like affecting people outside of the world. They're like, can't get in and they want to save everybody. That idea on its own makes a lot of sense, but they've dragged it on and you're like, hell hath no fury like a fangirl scorn. Like you, you're just tired of it. If this were a movie where you could have been like, we spent two hours in a theater, we sat through it, it's over now. Yeah. And like... Well, it would have moved faster if it was a movie. Yeah, but now you have like, you know, six or seven hours, however long it's going to be, of this series and you're forced to like wait every week. So every week I care less and less because I just want it to be a two-hour movie so I <laughs> never have to watch it again. Well, they've, they've rehashed all of that. Like, like you said, you're like, I don't care about the sitcom stuff. All of that is literally wasted time. I disagree. Wasted time. <laughs> and the, it's WandaVision. They're broadcasting it. What is the point of the broadcast? It's just on in the background in in the base now. Like, that's not part of the show really anymore. The show is now we know pretty much everything that's going on and we want to see it break down fully. Maybe there's like one or two more surprises, maybe three, but you don't want, you're not watching the show to see a parody the whole time. And while it is doing parody stuff, it's less and less boring. It has to continue to evolve, but you're not satisfied with the pace that it's evolving. Breaking Joey's I heart. I think, I think it is breaking my heart. I understand. And I, I love that we have different opinions and we can debate this, but I do, I think maybe it also speaks to a little bit of how maybe we're spoiled by binge stuff. Sure. <laughs> like like stuff used to come out week to week and that was just it. I don't want to say lost, but like <laughs> shows would come out and there would be a mystery and they would ask a question and then by the next episode um they might answer the question and then there'd yeah. be another question but you know you waited week to week. What I think that this show is doing I think that this show is doing a lot of stuff really well and believe me if I didn't like something I would say I don't like it and this is why. But I think there's something incredibly new about how it started versus how it's going. Like, the show is playing the same role as the audience, where it's, like, confused and asking questions and starting to change. Like, it went from being cute to being, like, to slowly transitioning into something is wrong. And I just think that there's a, an amazing sort of 
I don't know, a very watchable trajectory there for me with, and also the mystery. And I love stuff like that and trying to figure out the mystery. And I love applying my personal, like nerdy knowledge to things and trying to figure it out. I'm having fun with it. I'm really enjoying it. I really like that. It's something new and I really am not disappointed in it being the uh, beginning of phase four. I, I guess I'll say that so far anyway. Well, so I have thoughts on that. They have the new trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier or whatever that came out recently, right? Yep. And it looks all right. And like we had mentioned on the podcast before that that's going to be the most play it by numbers comic book thing. It's going to be the most sort of real world of the three shows we we have seen stuff about. Yes. I don't know how it'll fare in comparison where like that's going to be so different from this. Like how does that play into this show do they tie together or do they not tie together are they going to be like kind of standalone you know or is one literally going to pass off to the other since they're going to stop streaming after one another i I wonder how that is going to play you know i don't think that they will tie directly into i don't i don't think falcon and the winter soldier is going to be dealing with any fallout from wandavision i think falcon and the winter soldier is going to be specifically dealing with the fallout of civil war and endgame um, but I think they might, I, th- they will mention it or it will be incorporated into the show somehow, whether it's just a me- mention it or, or, or character from it or something else. What Falcon and the Winter Soldier is probably going to do is set up the Captain America. There's Bucky and Sam, which are both Captain Americas in their own right. And we need that character for the Avengers. So it's continuing that line what WandaVision is doing is setting up the reality-breaking alternate reality multiverse aspect of Phase 4, which is going to be the entire cinema, starting with Doctor Strange. And, well, no, I guess starting with Spider-Man. But Falcon and the Winter Soldier will be there to be the heroes of it because of the journey they go through in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's what I think. That would be great if it, if it ties together satisfyingly. And if anyone can do it, Marvel can do it. So yeah, like we've talked, well, like I've talked about before, they have what I would consider a great track record. Man, I would love to be in those meetings where they're like, here's how this is all going to play out. And like you said, we're watching it week to week and you're like, I don't like it. Or I do like it, whatever it is. You're like trusting that everything's going to be okay. And you find out that Palpatine was Ray's grandfather. (laughs) I don't think it will be like that. Oh, that brings up a good point. I really love the scene where Hayward is to to both Monica and Darcy. He's like, and which one's the sassy best friend? And who's <laughs> like, there's no time for diminishing your colleagues. Like, yeah, call that shit out in the show and outside the show. And as we know, Star Wars just, well, Lucasfilm and Disney and those people just called that shit out in real life, which was great. I think you need to call that shit out in the show as a as sort of inspiration for people watching and also in real life because that's the way it should be in real life. Yeah, they didn't have to write that scene in there, but they took a conscious effort to be like, hey man, that's not nice. Yeah, this guy's a giant dick and uh, I think he's a bad guy. All right, so... <laughs> Towards the end of our podcast episode, let me go through a few sort of Easter eggs, I think. We're getting 
the vibe of Monica Rambeau getting superpowers, which in comic book history she has. And Darcy Lewis is like, you've been through the hex twice. It's affecting Uh, you on a molecular level. So they're setting that up, which hmm. I think is, I think it's a great B uh, amazing for a TV show to be doing and not a movie and C as the beginning of phase four, a very meaningful thing to do. Second, like we've said on the marquee of the cinema, we have The Parent Trap and The Incredibles. And I think those two movies symbolize different things in this episode. A, what we talked about being the sort of straddling the 90s and the 2000s. B, The Parent Trap, from my recollection, is about twins who are trying to get their parents back together, which is what Billy does at the end of this episode. He's like, Mom, Dad needs us, which I thought meant something. And uh, The Incredibles, which is a great movie. It's a movie about a superheroic family. Four, right? Four? Yes. Well, not including Jack-Jack. Four superpowered beings in the first movie. Uh, And there are four visions. Well, you know what I mean. Um, But also, The Incredibles from day one has been compared to the Fantastic Four in that it might be the best sort of analog... Fantastic Four movie, because all other Fantastic Four movies have sucked. And they need to bring the Fantastic Four in somehow. And I think this is their hint at doing that during WandaVision. Monica is also like, I have an aerospace engineer friend, which I don't know who else it could be other than Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. Hmm. So I think that we're going to see who's ever playing Mr. Fantastic in WandaVision, the Fantastic Four also gets their powers from cosmic energy, which is apparently what, or cosmic radiation, which is apparently what the Hex is made out of. So I think it would also be incredible if Wanda, like, created the Fantastic Four from the Hex, and that's the way they introduce them into the MCU. So to sum up, the importance of this show as being the beginning of Phase 4 is they've brought the X-Men into the MCU, They've given superpowers to Monica Rambeau, and I'm pretty sure they're going to introduce the Fantastic Four. And that's pretty incredible for a TV show to do. Especially, I guess, I mean, it's in reaction to them not being able to make a movie right now. (laughs) But I just think that that's an incredible feat, I guess, regardless of whether you like the show or not. But probably if you don't like it, it might not mean all that much to you. What do you think, Robin? Does that mean, is is it diminished, do you think? by doing it in a TV show because you're not really enjoying this all that much? It, I guess it must be. Yeah, I mean, again, if this were a movie, maybe I would be enjoying it more because it would be quicker. It would be probably less sitcom-y. Um, like, even if they still sprinkled in a sitcom from every decade, I can't imagine they'd spend more than, like, five minutes on it. And I think I'd like it more. And then I think if they were introducing other characters, then it would be much more meaningful because you'd be like, oh, in the WandaVision movie, they brought in the Fantastic Four instead of like, remember that one episode where you're like, is it going to be the Fantastic Four or is it like Magneto maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Okay. Well, Well, that's the answer I expected, but it still doesn't hurt hurt less. Oh, man. (laughs) Royce, what do you think? I guess... The, qu- the main question here is, what do you think about them using this medium to do this work? Well, it's like you said, they're kind of forced to because they can't have a movie. And I, I guess like, I meant to say this when I brought up Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like, if every show they do is just going to be a movie that they 
they stretched out a little bit, then the shows are going to be on a whole lackluster. Like if that's, I don't know if that's the case with WandaVision, but like WandaVision as a TV show, little bit slow, a little bit not like it doesn't trickle out the info at a pace you like. And we've said this a million times. I apologize. But if every single show they're doing, that's the case, that's going to be a problem. But I don't, I don't think it's like you can have a TV show that introduces stuff. Marvel doesn't work unless you see all of it anyway. Like you can't really enjoy it on a whole unless you watch them all, or at least it's more enjoyable. This TV show, more than any other Marvel thing though, you can't watch as its like own thing and like really get it, you know? Like who is she? Who's Vision? You don't know their history in the show. You only know that from seeing all the other movies. So I don't know, it's interesting because what if people are skipping this TV show because they're only the Marvel movie fans? So will this play back into the cinematic universe and can the cinematic universe and the TV universe kind of like stand apart or do you have to consume the TV shows and the movies? Because I haven't seen any of the other Marvel movie uh, TV shows, you know? Oh, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff? Yeah. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did, I guess... I guess I would what I would say is it did a really good job at separating itself from the cinematic universe where mm. they mentioned they like okay shield agents of shield had to react to shield actually being hydra it connected in that respect but it was its own, it was very good at being its own good show right. without tying completely into the cinematic universe right and it and it introduced a lot of characters that ended up being in the cinematic universe like the kree i don't think the kree were part of the mcu before agents of shield but you Hmm. didn't have to watch the show in order to understand that no it's interesting i mean that's the tangled web they weave when they want everything to tie together yeah so like I'm going to mention that I think someone else is behind this. Like I mentioned before, Wanda's like, I don't know how this started. So I'm going to give my theories. One, there's a character called Mephisto in the comic books. He's basically the devil. He interacts with Wanda and the X-Men and stuff like that. And I think that it's plausible that he's somewhat responsible for this. And again, creating the opportunity for for this to happen for Wanda in the first place, but then also sending Pietro to keep her. Lorelai brought up a really good point when we were watching this in that Pietro showed up because Wanda needed someone to tell her that it's what she's doing isn't wrong. Like Vision at that point was just being like, what you're doing is wrong. And then Pietro shows up and he's like, no, I completely get it. He's impressed by it. Yeah. And so... I think it I think if it's someone like Mephisto sending that character in so that the charade continues it would make a lot of sense and it would set up this big bad for Doctor Strange. On the other hand, something I might enjoy more but is far less likely. Royce, you just I'm so glad you mentioned why would it be broadcasting? Please Tell me what X-Men villain <laughs> would be the reason that that would be broadcasting. Do you remember? Uh, you're, you're putting me on the spot and I forgot <laughs> all of my X-Men knowledge. Now, this sounds obscure. <laughs> this is exactly. Did you, did you say it on the podcast where when we were talking, it was like, when someone asks you how you're doing and you're like, I forgot everything about my life. Yeah, I think that was on the podcast. It clearly is <laughs> contagious. <laughs> um, 
it it was he was featured in the X Men cartoon, which and I I'm pretty sure you know Mojo. Yeah, that who, rings a bell. He's he creates the like reality show that he sucks the X Men into and stuff like I that. I thought that was like an outer space. It is. And they're like in an arena and they're like battling each other, yes, right? Right. Yeah. But show me it, what you got. It's not exactly that. But maybe a little bit that. But also, what an incredible, like, left-field character to bring in to be the reason why this is a TV show. That's no, way th- left-field. This is, like, Marvel stretching out, creating something completely new. They could go with uh, Mephisto, who would probably just end up being, like, a big CGI bad at the end of the day. Or they could go with a Mojo, who would probably also be a big CGI bad at the end of the day. But so much more fun for maybe, I guess, someone like me who would be like, who knew they would do that? I remember watching that episode with you and and laughing at its absurdity. (laughs) That's for sure. He's a very absurd character. Um, But man, what an incredible direction for them to go. And I didn't think about it until this episode. Um, Of all the X-Men things. Yeah, there's, I don't know. It's very unlikely, but it would be so much fun. I really want them to keep doing like extra comic book, comic booky things and not just going with the like, this is obviously the villain we're going to use. Like Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to get Kang the Conqueror, who's like, obviously you would do that. Fantastic Four is going to set up Galactus because it's almost like they have to. It would be fun for them to introduce a villain that people might know, even if they don't have comic book knowledge, but they watch the cartoons as kids. And we would all be like, I never thought they would ever do that. I love stuff. I love it when they do stuff like that. Okay, uh, I guess I'm that's gonna, it. Wait, I am going to guess that the broadcast <laughs> is nothing because they don't have, it, it just makes no sense. It's nothing. It's just there so the show can have that gimmick. That's it. Fine. Fine, okay? God. Nothing means nothing. We're all going to die anyway. Why don't we come watch some TV? <laughs> that's really, really terrible. <laughs> this week, I reached out to Twitter for our surprise question, and I actually got one. So this week's surprise question comes from Matzenbacher. Is that right? Remember last week when you were like, I had to look it up. <laughs> I think it's Matzenbacher. Your name always makes me think of Sockumbopper. Is that what you're Rock'em going for? Sock'em. Rock'em, sock'em, Matzenbacher, Matzenbacher. Okay. <laughs> we're very sorry if we're making fun of your actual name. They ask, what Star Wars character would you add to the Avengers roster? I'm really looking forward to Robin's answer. <laughs> um, I would add Babu Frick as like a baby group. I knew it. I knew <laughs> it. Funny. That's so funny. That like imagine Babu Frick is just running around with a baby Groot and baby Groot's ruining things. And then Babu Frick is just repairing things right behind him. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, don't make fun of me. <laughs> I, I think Bobby Frick. Be, I knew that was going to be your answer. It's so funny. Really? <laughs> I really did. I was like, as soon as I ask this, uh, Robin's going to say Babu Frick. I thought for sure you were going to think I was going to say Baby Yoda. No, I was pretty sure Babu Frick or Jar Jar. <laughs> I, I like your idea of a comic relief character. Like, at first I was like, okay, what cool Jedi would there be? But I think Babu you're right Frick. that like, like <laughs> no, but you, you give him like a C-3PO or something. Those those characters are just as powerful as like, like not physically powerful, but from a, uh, you know, relatable standpoint, it is kind of fun 
to throw that in the mix. I was going to say Qui-Gon. That was my first go-to because I like that he doesn't care about the Jedi Council. And it would be interesting to have like an Avenger that didn't care about the Avengers. But that's probably already one of the Avengers anyway. Or or that person might not just be on the Avengers. They might just be like, I'm not going to be on the Avengers. Yeah, that would be an interesting thing too. Like they're invited and you're like, nah, I'm good, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I think who you should have picked is actually Salacious B. Crumb. <laughs> <laughs> For similar reasons to Babu Frick. <laughs> I guess but you're the, right. It doesn't have to be a hero. We could put Jabba on there. Dude, I, no, the coolest one would be Boba Fett, obviously, right? No. Are we not done with Boba Fett? He's the, are he's the Iron it's Man. It's only the beginning of Boba Fett. <laughs> he's the no. Iron Man of, of Star Wars. No. Babu Frick. I'm so disappointed that I've finished my cocktail. At this point, it would be really nice at this exact moment to have more. Who would you who would you put in the Avengers, Joe? I put too much thought into what you two would say and not enough thought. <laughs> you into always what do I would that. Say. Though. You're always more curious to hear the joke answers than your own answer. I would be Luke own. Skywalker. Yeah, <laughs> I would put a CGI. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, if you need to borrow an answer, you can also pick Salacious B. Crumb. But the one in The Mandalorian that's roasting. Oof. No. That one. That's so sad. <laughs> um, the Sarlacc Pit. Mon Mothma. Rathtars. <laughs> <laughs> what are those things that Han is transporting in... Force Awakens? Yeah. Those are Rathtars. Are they Rathtars? <laughs> yeah. I thought you said I thought you said Reptar, and I was like... That's the 90s reference that we should have gotten from WandaVision. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I would pick Dio. Yeah, quirky droids. If you've listened this long and you're a new listener and you go back and listen to our very short podcast history, you'll learn how much I love Star Wars quirky droid sidekicks. Well, you try so hard to write a serious movie and then you could just throw in one of those droids and it's just like, oh, okay. Everything's all good in the world. You know what doesn't really have those? Uh, the High Republic. I'm loving huh. the. I'm loving the books. I've. I'm into the third one now, and I think they're good. But this isn't that part of the show. This is the part of the show where Roy says all the things that he <laughs> says at the end of the show. Take it away. Let's do it. Hey, so if you enjoyed that poll, tweet us what your answer would be. Who would you put in the Avengers? Your Star Wars characters. Just shoehorn them in as if it was, you know, you had free reign as a producer at Marvel. We want to know. You can't say Qui-Gon Jinn, Salacious B. Crumb, or any of the answers we came up with. You got to think of your own original one, all right? Now you could say those. So to do that, you could tweet us at Krypton to Alderaan because we're on Twitter. Joey's been tweeting a damn storm. So... Hit us up there. You could also send us an email, krypton to alderon at gmail.com. And like Joe said, leave us a review. Let us know what you're thinking about the show. Man, we're having a blast making it. By the time we get to the end, it's like you want to do a whole other one all over again, right? <laughs> right, Robin? Yes. Right? All right. Anyway, we'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening. I have been Royce. I've been Robin. I've been Dio. And we've been Krypton, Krypton to Alderaan. Alderaan.